0: there and welcome to Watering Seeds, a podcast ministry of Covenant Reform Presbyterian Church in Asheville, North Carolina, where we seek to discuss and apply our most recent sermon and our sermon series to the Gospel of Matthew. You can check out our latest sermon, Facing Anxiety with Faith, on Matthew 6, 25-34 on our website, covenantreform.net slash sermons, or you can search for us on sermonaudio.com By searching Covenant Reformed Presbyterian Church, I am uh, the assistant pastor here, Jim Curtis, uh, with my senior pastor Sean McCann, uh, to discuss that sermon today. But before we begin, brother, I want to ask two questions. First, how are you? How are you doing today? I'm great. I love being here. Love to love to hear that. Second question: uh, There is something that's coming up for you and your family later on this year that is going to have direct impact this podcast. And we're going to need to talk about that now. So Why don't you go ahead and tell us everything <laughs> right that you got going on. All right. So this is this
1: distinctly not breaking news because we announced a couple weeks ago, Correct. the session has granted me a three month sabbatical, uh, which is incredible. Um, I feel incredibly blessed to have this opportunity. Uh, the biggest part of it as it relates to this podcast is I will not be preaching for three months which is the longest I will have not been preaching, if I can say it that way, uh, in over a decade. I don't think I've gone more than three well, weeks without preaching in over a decade. So I'm looking forward to it. I'm sort of afraid what I'm going to be doing after a month. I'm just going to be wandering around the house looking for a pulpit.
0: <laughs> <laughs> like uh, I, You and Remington are going to be best friends, <laughs> That's man. right.
1: That's my pup. He'll be chasing me around. Um, I do think when it comes to this podcast is about preaching – uh, and you know this, you've been preaching for a while. Uh, it's its sort of, a, a sermon is that week's discipline, right? That week's study of the word. Uh, it is that week's um, kind of, what does the text say? How do we apply it, right? Mm-hmm. The, the nuts and bolts of preaching. Uh, but there's so much more to that, because when preaching is a very vulnerable experience, we're very much putting ourselves uh, and our relationship with God sort of public in a sense, and And that way, preaching is draining in a way that nothing else I've ever done is, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. I ended that sentence on the word is. But anyway, if that that makes sense. Uh, And so the opportunity, I think the spiritual opportunity to sort of recharge without sort of needing to produce is what I'm kind of most looking forward to Mm -hmm. Um, and sort of eating and feeding on the word, sitting under... Uh, faithful preaching for that extended period of time without ever having or needing to sort of have an outlet mm-hmm. out of that, I think we'll—I I th- I anticipate it sort of being great for a couple weeks and then really hard <laughs> because I'm going to want to be preaching. Yeah. And I, I anticipate sort of in the long run um, it being a very kind of humbling and restorative experience. Mm. It's a long answer to your question. I think it's great. Good.
0: <clears throat> and I'm confident when you get back, we'll hear— about your sabbatical uh, until then I am both very excited for you and your family. I think it's going to be great uh, as I've gotten to know you uh, since coming here. I can tell that I think that time is going to be used well and wisely by you and your family. Uh, and, and I think it's fantastic that the, uh, the session has given you that, but I'm also very uh, sort of not looking forward to it because I've enjoyed getting to know you and working with you. Um, you know, I worked uh, a day, sort of off sequence from you the other day. <laughs> and it took all of my energy not to, to text you. <laughs> so three months is going to be a long time. But that's right. We will. I will get through it. I will suffer alone in silence. Not alone, because part of the announcement. Well, that's also true. Okay, you're right. I won't be alone. I'll be joined by... Uh,
1: our good friend, my good friend, Wilson Goins. My soon-to-be good soon-to-be friend. Soon-to-be good friend. We think we may hear his voice on Watering Seeds Podcast. Do we know that for sure?
0: That's the goal. Okay, And that's our hope. Um, we'll see if my sermons are up to snuff to have podcasts on. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. So we will, <clears throat> um, more seriously with Watering Seeds, we're going to be taking a break from Matthew, but we're not going to tell you, our listeners, dun, dun, just dun. yet, what we're going to do uh, in the meantime. Uh, uh, more uh, TBD or TBA to be announced. Um, but until then, uh, hey man, let's dive into your sermon from this past Sunday. Let's do it. Facing Anxiety with Faith. Uh, Matthew 6, 25 through 34, another famous sort of popular passage, which obviously, I mean, we're in the Sermon on the Mount, so that's just going to happen again and again and again. Um, But this one is uh, uh, sort of worldwide famous in the sense that uh, many non-Christians know in particular this passage. And interestingly, I think, find comfort in this passage, even if they don't, don't necessarily mm-hmm. believe. So let's talk about that really quickly as we set up maybe the, the the categories of anxiety, of worry, of depression, which are all things that you talked about. Let's talk about why you think maybe there's a general pull mm-hmm. toward this message Jesus is giving here in Matthew 6, and why so many people might find it so comforting.
1: Yeah, there's a general sense, right, that religion generally is supposed to help us be more at peace, and then not worry so much. So maybe... There's a little bit of that. Uh, I made the point in the sermon that we're particularly interpreting God's care for humans as his fatherly care, but you could also sort of interpret that as just his general creator care for humans. And so just as he cares for a bird, whether it's a Christian or not, he cares for a human, whether he or she is a Christian or not. But I, I think the real answer to this is woven into Jesus' teaching are sort of proverb-like statements about worry. And so I I brought a couple of them out in the sermon. Um, One of them
0: is verse 28. Before you jump there, let me jump on the word proverb really quickly. So I think a lot of times folks hear proverb and they think, I do this and I get that out of it. But sort of I think how you mean it here and how I think the, the book of Proverbs is sort of general wisdom type things, which gets to the general comfort here right I think yes so exactly. so just hopping on that it's not as though uh, uh we would say right do X and you get the comfort here that Jesus is is giving us correct right
1: yeah it's sorry I mean it's sort of a generally recognized wise saying right wisdom or, principle according yeah. to kind of the natural law of how the world works right if we could say that so for example verse 27 which of you being anxious can add a single hour to his span of life that's not a Christian or non-Christian, right? Sort of thing. It's we all can generally acknowledge. Yet worry is powerless. Uh, the final verse: Don't worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow will be anxious enough for itself. Yeah, I'm gonna be worried tomorrow. I'm, I'm gonna be worried <laughs> the next day. Like, yeah, there's uh, there's enough today to occupy my time and thought and attention. Let's not waste time yeah. thinking down the road. So those kind of I say those are proverbial kind of worldly wisdom-type saints that you can pull out of this and still acknowledge it's true. Those truths obviously function best within the context of how Jesus is teaching the entire thrust of the passage. But I think somebody who doesn't believe necessarily in Christ can still find pearls of wisdom, I guess, Mm -hmm. in this passage.
0: Yeah. And I like how you explain some of these Proverbs, uh, particularly by pointing out um, that uh, worry is powerless i thought it was interesting you use the word powerless there instead of a different word but explain a little more why you think worry is powerless
1: yeah it doesn't uh, have the power to accomplish the end that it is sort of obsessed with right right and so um when we are kind of uh, i mean like i said think of it i had it I don't know if you get these dreams, like these preacher dreams. Yeah. Okay. Where the one the other night was for the entire first half of the service, I could not find my tie. Okay. And so it's like time to preach and I'm borrowing other people's ties. I can't tie the tie. Then I get up there and the pulpit keeps falling. Literally it's falling apart under my hands and I keep kind of putting it back together and start preaching again. So I have that dream and I interpret that as, man, you're worried about preaching. Mm -hmm. Like I'm worried about that, that, that's how we're interpreting that. Uh, well, if I were to wake up and then continue to worry over and over again about what if the pulpit falls apart under me, what if I really can't find my tie, right. you know, and that is not actually accomplishing any. There's a productive way, I guess, we could turn worry into prayer and into planning. But in that sense, it doesn't it doesn't accomplish anything, as we sort of obsessively think on something.
0: Right, and you you mentioned in the sermon that uh, uh, most of the things we worry about don't ever come to pass. Right. And I, I thought that was helpful because what Jesus says is, which of you who worries will add a single day to your life? Okay, so if you worry and what you're worrying about does come to pass, how does your worry impact you know, your response and that sort of thing? But I like that you brought in, in addition to that, oh yeah, but the vast majority of things we worry about don't actually happen anyway. Right. And I thought that was super helpful in, in recognizing that that when we do get worried, it is, if I can use your words um, and turn them around a little bit, it is powerful to recognize that worry is powerless. Okay, yeah. In that way. <clears throat> that, that, that really stood out to me that in my worry, maybe sometimes uh, uh, the obsession happens but you can disarm it by saying sort of uh, Lord of the Rings. You have no power here, Right, like, <laughs> right. but actually mean it um, from, from that sense. Um, let's talk about the, uh, the birds in the fields. Um, Jesus uh, sort of asks this question, um, you know, consider the fields, consider the birds. Aren't you of more value to your father in heaven? And, um, I want you to sort of solve a tension that I think a lot of people may have in their minds with this part of the passage. I'm going to drive through downtown Asheville later today and I'm going to see people who live on the side of the street, whose clothes are not adequate, maybe for the weather or something like that. How do I read Jesus's words here and then go experience that and say, okay, Jesus was right and I need to now square that with my experience. Help me understand that.
1: I mean, you're you're putting a nub on it, right? What about people who starve? Right. is what you're saying. Isn't Jesus saying that he will feed and clothe us? I mean, I think we take it... It's a tough answer. I mean, it's a very hard question, right? Uh, I think as Christians, we sort of take it under the metaphor of God's fatherly care and his sovereign sort of rule over all of the universe and all things work together for our good, right? These kind of promises that we treasure. Um, That in God's perfect care and timing, he is very, very often going to arrange our lives in such a way that those things are taken care of. And Mm -hmm. I think many Christians throughout time and space can sort of testify to that. Um, I don't think it's a blanket sort of health and wealth promise that nothing bad will ever happen to you, that you will never have hunger, that you will never not have enough clothes to wear. And so I, I don't know, honestly, off the cuff, if I have a great sort of theological answer to that, but we know we know it's not a health and wealth promise, and we know that our Father promises to give us good gifts. And so when there are times when He withholds these things from us, He withholds them as a Father who has our ultimate good at mind in His heart, and we are... Challenged, I guess, in those moments, to deepen our faith and trust in Him and in these promises.
0: Yeah, I don't want to. I don't want to stretch Jesus's metaphor too far. But some, uh, a thought that hit me in the middle of the sermon was, but not all flowers bloom the same, and not all birds, you know, are are. If I can maybe put it this way, some birds are fat and some are not. Right? <laughs> like, um, and so, you know, I think Jesus. Has in mind when he gives this metaphor, uh, definitely varying degrees um, that we're going to witness out in creation some have more than others. And that's something the Bible testifies to over and over and over. Um, And that the Bible then gives moral imperatives about those who have to be generous about uh, what they have, excuse me, with what they have toward those who have not. Right. And so that's one of the reasons why, you know, covenant reformed, we're connected with something like ABCCM, we're connected with other ministries. And we are, you know, we, we thought it was important to be a, a charity charitable organization and file that with the IRS and those sorts of things. And, and we give benevolently. Right. And so um, but in, in addition to that, another thought I had is um, not just, you know, some flowers bloom better than others, but also uh, the weather can be bad. Right, we can go through seasons of life again. I don't want to stretch it too far, right? But um, people can walk through the field, right? There are other factors that come into that, and so uh, Jesus is not saying. I think you'd agree that we'll never face injustice and have to worry about that. Um, uh, you know, Jesus is is giving us. I think go back to what you said earlier. The general principle to combat anxiety and worry is a as a provisional um, or excuse me, a, a, a deep trust in God's provision for his people. Um, Not that everything that I would put down on a piece of paper that I need will be met. Um, And that's the second thing I think maybe that I I picked up from this part of the sermon is my needs are a lot more bare bones than I thought. Right. Right. I think regularly. So say a little more about maybe our needs uh, uh, in light of all this.
1: Yeah. It's, I guess the one thing I would add to your point, and the metaphor is is well pointed out, is that, I mean, birds die and flowers die eventually, right? And so God is not looking at them as things, as creatures that never suffer and live eternally. And so that's, yeah, we don't want to, like you said, we don't push the metaphor too far. We also need to use the metaphor for what it's actually saying, right? There are seasons where birds are fed and there are seasons when their bodies are going to stop working kind of thing. So... Uh, by answering that, I totally blanked on your question.
0: That's, all right. That's all sorry. Right. Say say more about our needs. Oh, thank you, and, thank you. And how Jesus informs us on how we should think about it. Yeah, our
1: needs. so it's fascinating that it's just eating and uh, it's food, drink, and clothes are the needs he keeps coming back to, and they're, uh, it, it, I think it ties right back into the Lord's Prayer. The provision is a provision for food. Um, when we think about the things we're worried about, they're much more psychological categories. Um finance of course is one of them but even those of our listeners who have financial worries they're usually not to the point of I might have to go to school without a shirt today right I mean they're usually not there uh, they're they're usually not in the not having any food category so I think Jesus is sort of providing almost like a baseline of what do creatures need we need food we need drink we need shelter some of those those physical needs and the needs beyond that kind of our spiritual and relational needs are very much met by God in a, in a different way and through his people and through the church. So I do think it's very, I mean, I've made this point a couple of times in preaching that the physical stuff doesn't satisfy. Right. And we keep thinking we need something else. We need something more. Right. Um, Like we're about to have a third driver in my house. Right. In addition, my wife and I We're about to have another driver. My, my oldest is about to be 16. And so we're kind of wrestling with the question, do we need another car? Mm. Well, my goodness. No, we don't need three cars. Are you mm-hmm. kidding? Mm-hmm. But there are days when we're going to wish we had three cars, right? And so no, most of the world doesn't even have one car. And so here we are as a, you know, a modern American family, uh, do we need a third car? And so something like this, it really provides, there's nothing wrong with some of the things that we could add physically to our lives, but is it really something that we need? And so I I do think recognizing kind of those, uh, those basic needs, those bare necessities that Jesus sort of reframes our physical needs. And it makes us, I think it has the, the bears, the fruit of contentment in our lives. Like when we just step back and look at this verse, man, I am so, so cared for and loved. Um,
0: So, is Jesus, this is a yes or no, so explain your answer. (laughs) But is Jesus sort of laying on us a burden of guilt about material things? This is sort of stretching back a few sermons at this point. I want you to say more because I think we can hear your answer and go, I don't need two cars in my family, especially, you know, where we live now, right? (laughs) Um, It'd be nice, but I don't have to. So, should I go sell my car? Right. Should I go get rid of you know half the things in my house that i only use once a month once a quarter once a year or is is am i missing jesus's point maybe the other direction
1: sure i mean we, we've gone over and over again starting on the mount. it's not the material it's the heart right? right and so we're getting at the heart the issue is not how many cars that you have how much clothes you have the food that you eat i mean the issue is the heart behind it because he's he is i mean he's he's pointing out the the folly of seeking after these material things and he is pushing us and, or calling us to seek after the things of God and God's kingdom and so we can seek after God's kingdom no matter how many cars that we have and we can fail to seek after God's kingdom no matter how many cars we have right i mean the it's not the material thing is not the answer uh it is sort of a downstream fruit, mm-hmm. right? And so I do think something like this helps us think through types of purchases we make, right? I mean, I, where we live, uh, how we spend our money, how we spend our time, all of those types of decisions should be put through the filter of seeking God's kingdom first. And if they, they can still, those decisions can still be put through that filter, and we can still come out on the other side and say, yeah, a third card would be good, for my family, for this, that, or the other reason, or no, a third car is not a good decision for us right now. Um, we may not even be able to make that decision. So <laughs> that's <this laughs> maybe a good point. Yeah. Um, but you, I hope you're, I think you hear what I'm saying. Like it this is what Jesus is, I mean, it's like he's shining a spotlight on our, our worry about our physical things in order to reflect into our hearts and say, where, where does your heart actually stand in relation to these things?
0: Yeah. And that, that gets us to, to something that I another takeaway I had here and that that is the that anxiety really plugs in really well with the emphasis Jesus is getting at with the material things because he's getting down to um you know he's talked about money he's talked about uh, uh the internal external he's talked about prayer he's talked about fasting he's talked about all sorts of stuff up to this point and now he he's he's trying to reveal so much about the material things that he is now talking about even how we think and feel about the material things sort of like a a a meta thing (laughs) he's thinking he's talking about how we think right Uh, about these things and he's revealing to us that that our disbelief goes far deeper than I think most of us are willing to admit that we're going. Because our our anxiety over the material things is a distinctly theological or or spiritual reality. It shows us where we are in in our approach to God and how we really view Him. Whether or not we trust He is who He says He is and He'll do what He says He will do. Right. So I, I love that the Sermon on the Mount, I mean, it's God, obviously... But I love the progression Jesus has taken. He sort of dismantled the material things, and now he's talking about the anxiety over mm-hmm. those material things um, uh, from from the treasures.
1: So, can I piggyback from that onto this idea of trusting God uh, and the whole the, the entire application of the first point of the sermon was to believe the promises of God. And my my assumption is not that a room full of Christians doesn't believe that God takes care of them. Like I know every Christian in that room probably thanks God for their food multiple times a day. So th- I, I'm not a, sort of a, accusing people of not believing God, but I think our worry, and this has come later, so I, I may be jumping ahead. Um, oh, no, I'm not. I'm jumping back. Sorry, sorry. Um, one of the quotes from one of the commentators, D.A. Carson, he said, the root of anxiety is unbelief. And so I've heard preachers talk about sort of your, your functional faith. And so yeah, of course, Christians confess faith in God to provide all of our needs. Does our worry indicate there are maybe some holes in that faith? Or maybe that faith isn't sort of being worked out and prat- we're not applying it to the things that we are worried about uh, in our daily life. And I think there's a there's a really kind of helpful process here that's either sort of self-reflection. For me, it reveals itself in prayer where there's times when I will go to the Lord and I will literally pray, God, I'm worried, but I don't know what I'm worried about. Like I had this weird dream about the pulpit falling apart in front of me. What am I worried about? And sort of help, Lord, help me, help reveal to me, where what am I not trusting you? Am I afraid people are going to think about me? Am I afraid my notes are not ready? Am I afraid my theology's off? And therefore there's this symbolism of a pulpit falling apart. You know, uh, when you have... Uh, things at work, right? That's for some reason you're on high alert or high anxiety about something. How can we, how can we use texts like this for spiritual growth as the Lord opens up our hearts to say, hey, there's this kind of category of your life that you profess faith, but your worry is revealing there's something here you're not turning over to me and
0: trusting me with. So let's move to the second point um, of your sermon, which is that we, uh, we have a kingdom to pursue. And I, I want to jump all over this incredible quote you gave us from Sinclair Ferguson. Uh, Anxiety can never be cured by getting more of what we already have. Uh, explain this again to us and why that, that is so powerful.
1: Yeah, I, I love that quote, obviously. Um, so the way I set it up in the sermon is that when we pursue material concerns, when we're like our Gentile neighbors and pursuing material concerns above spiritual concerns, it's because there's this implicit promise that if we achieve enough of those material things, then our worry will go away right? Our anxieties will go, we will have arrived, we will have achieved. And so there's nothing else to be worried about. What the Bible tells us over and over again, uh, is what Sinclair Ferguson highlights with this quote, is that that anxiety, it, it can't be cured because there's never enough. And if there were enough, it would be a treasure on earth that's not safe from moth and rust and thieves who break in and steal. And I don't I think I said this in the sermon, and I'd, I'd be more guarded about this because I don't want to step on people's toes, but I think sometimes the, the people who are sort of the most organized and achievement driven and planned out in life can also be the most anxious people. And I found this in my life because I, you know me, I sort of strive for organization and order. Um. It is a false god in the sense. You can always be more organized. You can always have planned better. You can always have started your process another week earlier. And it's never enough. So that's that's what the quote is for me. And it gets back to the lie that we believe that somehow enough material stuff is enough to put an end to our worry.
0: Yeah, I I just thought it was... It, it put <clears throat> um, a, a bow on it. I almost feel like, I'm glad you didn't, but I almost feel like you could have just ended the sermon. <laughs> yeah. Right then, right? Like uh, that quote summed it up. It's, it's, hey, I'm worried I don't have X. So, so m- sort of my my lens, everything I'm filtering everything through is is about that thing, whether it's money, whether it's clothes, whether it's a house, whether it's whatever. And so my thought is, What's going to solve that is having more of that, but that's sort of the source of the worry to begin with. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and it was just, I don't know, it was very eye-opening to me to realize that the, how I view money, how I view uh, food, how I view all of these different things that I want, all of my desires in life, if I'm worrying about them, uh, uh, getting more of that doesn't mean anything means I have more of that which potentially leads to more worry. Mm-hmm. So and then you mention and you, and you highlighted this earlier but you you mentioned uh, according to Jesus's words, right? That worry in this life never stops. And Jesus highlights this at the end of the passage, tomorrow has enough worry of its own. Um, or uh, that, I guess that's the King James that's yeah, yeah. stuck in my head. But uh uh if worry never stops, let's go back See the comfort. How can we find the comfort that Jesus is providing if the worry is going to be there when I wake up tomorrow?
1: <laughs> I mean, it's just an opportunity to believe the promise of the gospel again. I mean, that's a sounds like a short cop out answer, All but... right, Pastor? <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah.
0: No, I. I'm, uh, it's it's uh, you highlight this. It's that per- the pursuit continues. Mm-hmm. I thought that was excellent. Mm-hmm. That the um as the worry never stops what that means is that the pursuit continues Mm -hmm. and and so then uh, and this is why i'm really glad you didn't stop at the ferguson quote because as enlightening and and powerful as that quote was for me just listening to it uh to your sermon what what i took away and and what i wish we had spent the last 20 minutes on is is the last part of your second point and that is the the um, the submission of all of these different areas of my life to the kingship of Jesus, right? I, I almost felt like, uh, at one point I remember thinking in the sermon, this almost almost feels like Jesus is pulling a Bob Newhart. Just stop it on me, right? <laughs> right? Like, don't worry. Tomorrow's got enough worry of its own. Cool, Jesus. Like, thanks. And then you said that and I went, oh, there it is. Right? Uh, uh and I appreciate that you didn't give the specifics i know a lot of times in sermons we think okay do i give specifics here and and sort of you know put meat on the bones here do i give categories and let them think and i'm really glad you sort of went that direction with this one and and said let's submit uh, uh these areas of our lives uh in which we have all of these these anxieties about everything um left right and center let's submit those to Jesus and you highlight sort of categories of that. Me individually, right, as a, as a household, and then even corporately together as a church? What are, what are some of our biggest anxieties? So what are what are some of the—I'm going to push you to maybe some specifics now. What are some specific ways you have seen Jesus work in your life or in the life of maybe somebody else as an individual or even at the, at the household level of submitting to Jesus is the pursuit of the kingdom addressing the concern and the anxiety and the worry here?
1: Yeah, that's a that's a good question. Um, and I made the point in the sermon that it's an act of faith to pursue the things that God prioritizes, even if they sort of, they feel like they don't provide the things we need in the moment. And so one example that comes to mind for me personally, and not everyone's going to relate to this, but it's the example of parenting, right? And in parenting, one thing that um, I've always sort of had to try to remind myself, and my wife is good to remind me of this, is like parenting children is always taking the long view. And so sometimes that means you make decisions in the moment. And really, the, when this comes to a head is like discipline for your own children. And know this isn't a fun topic for a podcast, but um, I, I've honestly had to have some growth in this area with my own kids in my own sort of parenting style. I want to be a fun-loving dad, right? I just want to get along with my kids all the time. But to discipline a child is an act of faith that takes the long view of -hmm. teaching them of the fatherly love of God. Mm -hmm. And it's no fun in the moment, if that makes sense. It's You just kind of want to get over it. You want to get your kid what they want. You want to get them to stop crying. You just want to get on with your own day and life or whatever. But there are times in that's sort of a role, right? As a parent, I need to submit myself to the kingship of God in my life in this role as a parent. Um, so that's that's kind of one that comes to mind for me.
0: Um, I think it's a really powerful one. I mean, I've, I've had a lot of conversations with a lot of people about parenting, right? Um, both, you know, fostering has has sort of opened up that realm to us. A lot of people. Um, uh, you know, out there giving wisdom, we've listened to podcasts and stuff like that. Um, our own parents and those sorts of things. Um, and now our experiences both as foster parents and, and as parents to, to Charlotte. But I some there's always this story in the back of my head that sort of nags me when I think about parenting. And that's a conversation I had with a mom where she told me that the most successful parenting philosophy is to uh, limit the amount of times you say no as much as possible. Okay. And really what that amounted to was say yes to everything you possibly can. Yeah. And I remember in a the, in the moment that didn't sit well with me. And I realized that this person who, who said that, their biggest anxiety, their biggest fear is that their children won't like them. Yeah. And so you see, right. just picking up with the, the parenting, you see how more of the same doesn't actually help. Yeah. And what's very interesting is several of her children – are now being told no later in life. Not by her necessarily, um, but uh, by the world, (laughs) really. like Things don't work this way. And they're blaming their parents. Now, I mean, that's not a one-to-one. I'm not saying she wasn't a great mom. She was a fantastic mom to these children. But what that tells us is that the worry didn't solve the problem, right? Um, I'm not saying that, again, her philosophy led to that necessarily, but it certainly didn't prevent it. Mm -hmm. And I think that gets us back to that Ferguson quote that gets us back to the understanding Jesus is trying to communicate here is that um, if I can maybe say it this way, it's, such, it's just such a, a a small view of how things work hmm. to think that we have the control over that, mm-hmm. to think that we have the ability to do this, that or the other. Um, and it says something about our view of the goodness of God mm-hmm. um, in, in many ways. But I want to
1: reset the parenting example just really quick, just to make sure uh, I'm kind of, saying this clearly here is that um this isn't a kind of a strict versus non strict right. conversation right. it's a as parents what is what does it mean to seek the kingdom of god as a parent right it means to raise up a child as a follower of christ we can't guarantee that right god alone must open our children's hearts to believe god has given us however clear instruction on how to parent our children. Mm-hmm. And so I can worry all day long about my kids and what they're learning at school and what their friends are telling them and what they're seeing on the internet. Uh, this and you could the be other. more
0: strict and that could blow up. Yeah. You right. could be less strict and that could blow up.
1: Right. Yeah. But what is sort of submission in the long run of doing the things that God calls me to do as a parent, extending the free grace of forgiveness while also extending sort of the strictness of the law of God mm-hmm. to my own kids. And yeah. Nuance that out, whatever. Yeah. But that's an act of faith. Right. It's a selfish act to do whatever I want in the moment with my kids and then sort of worry about how they're turning out all day long as opposed to sum- aiming to submit myself to the clear teachings of Scripture while entrusting my kids to the Lord. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a doesn't I mean they're gonna turn her out perfect, but it's definitely an an anecdote to worry.
0: yeah. And the same thing applies. I mean we move outside of parenting. same thing applies Please. to my wife driving my baby to Charlotte to see her parents uh, uh, a couple of weeks ago. I trusted that the Lord would protect them on the way there would protect them while they were there, right? But then they get home. And suddenly my, I realized my prayers that the Lord would protect them stopped as though like they, I'm, I'm here. I can, (laughs) now you got it. Like suddenly it's no, no longer a matter of faith. Right. So my anxiety about that sort of went away, but then I realized, Oh, Hey, I'm not praying that anymore. And so this anxiety sort of picked back up. Right. And then your sermon was just perfect timing to in, in just submitting that particular worry and anxiety to the Lord. Um, This isn't a remedy, right? This isn't a a silver bullet. This isn't um, an antidote that cures us. Uh, I want to go back uh, to what we've said a few times now, but that that worry continues. um, uh, And even Jesus himself admits that. Uh, But that's because of the world we live in, right? That's because of how sin has affected the world. Um, But what I love about what Jesus does there in the proverbial sense is that then the tomorrow, when that tomorrow becomes today, the passage is still talking about right. that. still right? there. Yeah. Uh, and so it's just all of the same principles. Yeah.
1: Because I, I think the question for us is not, are you worried or not? It's, you are worried. Mm-hmm. How are you facing that worry? Right. And that was how I wanted to frame, and that's the title of the sermon. Right. Facing anxiety with faith. Uh, you You've got it. How are you going to aim to sort of put it to death each day?
0: Right, and that's that's the faith that Jesus. Two points of the sermon: He gives us a promise and a kingdom. Jesus does both of them. Right, right, and that's what you. That's how you finish. That's how. That's the. That's the end of it. Is that <clears throat> he gives us the promise and the kingdom to go after, to believe, to trust, to put our hope in. Those two things and the reason that those two things are certain and sure is because he doesn't put them in our hands, but does them himself uh, through his death and resurrection. So, hey, it doesn't solve the problem. Like you said, it doesn't mean now that they've heard the sermon and this excellent podcast, they're not going to (laughs) worry anymore. But uh, Lord willing, we can now uh, face that together uh, with with our eyes fixed firmly on Jesus. Amen. So, thanks for your sermon, brother. Thanks for your time today. Love it. Thanks for having me. All right, brother. Till next time.